You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Uncommon Podcast, where I'm your host, Philip. Hey, I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in. We have an amazing guest with us today. I'm going to read her bio, and then we're going to get into an amazing story to just to tell you how awesome she is and why you should listen to it. Her name is The Sam Burmeister. She is a founder and lead copyright editor at the Nomad Copy Agency. She and her team write high converting sales copy for online services providers and spiritually based businesses. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, thank you guys. Yeah, so nice to see you. So nice as I love to see you. It's actually like we're in the same room. <laughs> I've had the pleasure of hanging out with you uh, in person. But why in the world would somebody want to listen to the show? Let me tell you why. Samantha is the one who actually does it. There's a lot of people who think they want to be a nomad, uh, but Sam actually d- has done it. Walked she's, the walk. she's walked the walk. She's jumped off the proverbial bridge, as we say, and she's doing the deal. And so what I wanted to really focus on, and you know, everyone loves our six pillars, uh, is worthwhile work. And she was doing something and then she decided, you know what? I think I can do this by myself. And there's a passion in mind that I want to go. I want to scratch this itch. I want to do this a little differently. And so I love bios, but what I really like is fun stories. So to give you a little glimpse about who Samantha is, I wanted you, Samantha, to tell us about the time when you got your certification in scuba diving. What happened? Why do I want to start with that story? And what does it tell you about you? That's a great start, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I'll start there. And I'll start with where I was at in my life at that Mm. point. So um, I had communicated, this is summer of 2019. I had communicated to my company that I would be leaving at the end of the year. And I was on a vacation in Vietnam at the time and received a whole bunch of emails about internal politics. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to be there anymore. I was already planning my exodus, planning my entrepreneurial journey. um, And it just sparked it within me where I was like, I can't go home. Um, I can't go back to this job. So I had a carry-on backpack for two weeks. I went to the airport in Vietnam that at the same exact time as when I was planning on going home, but rather than going home, I flew to Thailand and (laughs) moved. I did like very little Googling. I didn't take my computer with me. So I'm one of those people. I love having the screen in front of me. Yes. Um, so I did very little Googling on my phone of like, I don't know, maybe I'll learn how to dive. Where's good to dive in Southeast Asia? And the answer was Koh Tao, Thailand, which is an island. I don't know. It's about a six hour commute between boats and buses and all the, that kind of thing from Bangkok. Um, ended up in Koh Tao, Thailand had an incredible experience. It was one of the best places to dive in the world. Did my basic certification and went straight into my advanced certification. And part of, this is the story you asked me to tell, um, part of the certification is to do a night dive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we get out on the boat, we go out, great weather, 
we go down um, and the way that it works is you're paired with someone. So I was paired with someone with a similar skill level to me. I swam all through high school. So he and AKA I AKA both- a buddy. Yeah. A buddy. Yeah. yeah. The buddy system. The buddy system. <laughs> it is. That's what they call it. In yeah. So Jonas was just the sweetest little man from Switzerland. He was on his way to med school, like similar place in his life where he's like, I'm just going to travel for a while. Um, We're both strong swimmers and we come up at the end of our night dive. It was incredible. Uh, You know, we saw bioluminescence and all the things. Um, We come up and we are in the middle of a storm like think the middle or the beginning scene from the little mermaid you know where the boat's going up and down yes, and out of the yes. water <laughs> okay. uh, we're in the middle of that and so our instructor immediately has to go into rescue mode so you've got these two Thai guys who are like running the boat and the way that it would work is when the boat went down over a wave and the wave would go up next to them the dive instructor would hoist the person up by their equipment yep yep the bag. high people yep. who had strapped themselves to the boat would reach down grab them by the shoulders and plop yep. them on the boat and they'd you know do the waddle with their flippers like to wherever they needed to be wow um <laughs> it was awful and terrifying and so they had thrown a line out and so we're all holding on to these boys and um at one point, Jonas takes his respirator because we were the last ones to go because our instructor knew that we would like you'll be, be okay fist in the water. Right. So we still had our respirators in though. <laughs> at one point, he pulls his respirator out and looks at me and goes, "It's a bit windy." <laughs> just pops his respirator back into his yes. mouth, and so I was good. like, "We're in the middle of a full-on monsoon." Crisis. Yeah, right. And this guy wants to talk to me about the weather. <laughs> so good. Here's why I love starting this interview with that story. Because in this whole uncommon journey, especially with work and going after something you're passionate about, sometimes you go underwater and the weather's perfect. Mm-hmm. And you have an amazing and you come back up and you realize that things have drastically changed. Yeah. And for you, and obviously you can't do anything about it, but like you're the person that's still in the water making sure everybody's safe. And that's, I think, a very good like description of who you are is like, not only do you care about other people, but you're going to be out in the trenches and you're going to make sure you're okay. And so to me, the whole nomad not only fits you, but I think a lot of people think they could do this and how hard of work it really is. So I want to start by one, how do you define being a nomad? And like, just describe to our listeners what that list, like how hard is it or, or can people do it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much. Yes. First of all, (laughs) Um, especially since 2020, I have seen more and more families and empty nesters Mm. out nomading. So if you're, you know, thinking like, oh, but I have kids, but I X, Y, Z, like, no, there's a space in the nomadic world for you. There's world schooling, there's homeschooling. I mean, where are you going to learn more about the Aztecs than like living in Mexico? Mm-hmm. Um, and how relevant was that to your education in the first place? So do you need to be in traditional public school? Right. So um, I say that there's a space out there for everyone. I see people traveling with their pets more and more, um, which is kind of a for better, for worse, like make sure they're well, really well trained. Um, there's also pause ports because um, you do need an animal passport oh. a lot of the times. Um <laughs> But yeah, I follow a girl on Instagram who like she and her cat are just out there seeing the pyramids and doing wow. their thing. <laughs> um, 
Um, so what is a nomad? It's just I'm location independent. I had asked my company if I could go fully remote back in 2019. They said it was impossible. Everything that happened in 2020 happened and the whole company is fully remote now. So um, I made my exit kind of right, You're <laughs> right, right in the middle of that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm location independent. And for me, I realized really quickly that I was going to get burnt out if I um, tried a new place every week or even every month. So my plan right out of the gate was to spend three to six months wherever I landed and then travel from there. So for example, post up in one of my first places I went was Morocco, like post up in Morocco, but then travel around Morocco from there, but still have a bed to come home to. Um, Cause I think everybody has that joke of, oh, I need a vacation after that vacation. Cause I'm so tired. And um, the word in the nomad community is slow mad. So mm-hmm. then you really do have a home. You have something that's familiar to go back to something to look forward to, but you can still travel from your temporary home base. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. I love that, that scuba story for so many reasons, but I think even specifically what stuck out is just like the freedom that you had when the S was hitting the fan at, at mm-hmm. your job and you're kind of <laughs> dealing with the politics there and just being able to say like, you know what? No more. And I'm sure we'll get into like the work you had to put in to lead up to that as far as like being in a secure spot financially to be able to make that decision. Um, but I would love to even mm-hmm. start, you know, rewind the clock and and ask like, where did your love for travel originate um, mm. growing up? Like what did trips look like with family and, and like, why do you feel that traveling specifically to different countries around the world? Like, why is that important? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and now I'm going to have to send this to my grandparents when this comes out because uh. um, they are, so my dad's parents are, um, they lived in Rockford, Illinois for like, I don't know, most of their lives, 60 plus years. And um, they would travel all around the world. My grandfather's was a school teacher. My grandmother's a homemaker. And with their three kids, because they had the summers off, they would travel all around the country. So my dad had a lot of travel in him um, growing up and long-term travel too. So it was like, I was fortunate to grow up with these stories of long-term travel versus the like more short, there's nothing wrong with the short-term travel, but it, it was already normalized to me. Um, And they, I mean, their long-term travel were like camping trips, like definitely like shoestring budget out to Colorado to stay with grandma and grandpa, that kind of thing. So my travel growing up looked similar, but for shorter term, my dad was a business owner in Iowa. Uh, my parents divorced when I was seven. So a lot of it was like, we would go somewhere with mom, we would go somewhere with dad, um, but typically for like a week at a time. Um, all the quintessential Midwestern road trips never left the country until I was 16, signed up for the French club trip uh, and went to France for three weeks. And with that, I was so, so fortunate to stay with a family for I think 10 days of it and then travel through Paris and then also small towns in that experience. So again, my first out of country experience was like, I did laundry in a different country like that. A lot of people don't think about that. Like the things that make it really homey. I was able to stay with someone and cook and go to the grocery store and like really see what it was like to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to bring this back to my grandparents, so my grandparents, after my grandfather retired, started traveling all around the world. And my grandfather had the lazy boy chair in the living room. And behind the lazy boy was this floor to ceiling bookshelf. And the whole bookshelf was photo albums. 
And each album would be Paris, 1994, Germany road trip, 1995. Um, And it just, and so it went and they still, until I think their last international trip was maybe two years ago, they went to Australia for like a month. Wow. Um, And I say two years ago as if it weren't like 2018, like it was, (laughs) it was before all of 2020 and they still um, road trip out to DC to see my aunt and uncle and they're just so well-traveled. And so oftentimes, instead of, or in addition to reading storybooks at my grandparents' house, we, uh, before bed, we would go albums. through the photo albums. For sure. Which is also a very 90s thing to do, right? I grew up yeah. in the 90s. So like, scrapbooks. <laughs> like, please come look at my vacation <laughs> photos. Um, but it was inspiring to me. And it's like, my grandma would take pictures of like people making out on a fountain in Paris. What? And And she's like, oh, it's such an affectionate country. So it wasn't just like, here's the Eiffel Tower. It was like, here's pieces of this culture. And like, also now I'm really good at taking creeper photos because I learned it from my grandma. (laughs) What a legacy. Um, What a legacy. (laughs) So they really inspired me. They together have been to 40 something countries. I want to say 42, 43 countries. Actually, I lied. I think it might be slightly higher than that. But then when I went to college, I went to a Christian university and the culture there was that all the girls would go work at summer camp. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't really care for kids all that much. But like, and I don't think I'm anyone to teach them about Jesus, but <laughs> I could go teach at a language camp. And I knew there were some in Minnesota, but then I was Googling and I found one in France and I was like, well, my language skills are that of a child in France anyway. So I could go to France and teach English at summer camp. And they paid for my room board food plus a stipend every week. So I went to France, was able to travel around there. And that's when I realized my goal was to visit every country. So in college, I did a multi-country study abroad program where I visited, I think, 13 countries in a semester and did all self-study of different marketing tactics throughout the countries, came back into the thesis on it, and then just kept going from there. Yeah. That's yeah. you're talking Samantha's love language. Wait, you're going to give me room and board as well as some kind of stipend. I'm in. Give yeah. it to me. I'm out of here. But yeah. going back to your grandparents, like what a cool legacy that they've built by just sharing their memories and thinking about just you never know who you're impacting, mm-hmm. but how much that impacted you and now you're you're doing it. Like you're traveling at such an amazing pace. All almost so much of like like you wanted to visit every country. At one point you wanted to. So tell me how that vision, because one of our pillars is victorious vision or like mm-hmm. casting goals for yourself, mm-hmm. bucket list things. So tell me when that started formulating, like, listen, there's this is a big world. I love it that much that I'm gonna put scoreboard up on the thing and I want to try to hold myself accountable to that. When did that start? <laughs> like let me ask a quick question before yeah. you answer yeah. that, please. You might, you probably know the answer to this, Sam, but Philip, do you care to venture to guess how many countries are in the world? Oh, Lord. Do you know, Sam? I don't even know if I could. I, even... I have an answer, but there's debate on it too. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I, I found the first answer that was on the World Wide Web. For the record, that's why I don't have an answer because it's debatable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the figure I saw was 195. So. Okay. What's your, what's your number, Samantha? Mine's 196. Mine's 196 because I count Palestine. Oh, Oh, okay. Very cool. And that one is highly debated, (laughs) Um, but they do have a seat in the UN and that's the number that I use is the UN's official number is 
So that's, that's why. Um, But when I first started, my first travel blog was 194 and counting because there were only 194 because it was before South Sudan became a country and before Palestine got a seat in the UN. Nice. Wow. But you wisely so, left it open-ended. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. foresight. Wouldn't feel right if you got to 194 and you knew there was more. You know? <laughs> yeah. How many yeah, have and, you visited up to this point? Um, so debatably 57. And the debated one is Hong Kong. Because if you were to ask a Hong Konger if I had been, because it's not an officially recognized country, they believe that they should be a country. They're technically China, but I haven't been to mainland China. Mm. so like that's that's my so it's either 56 or 57 because i've only been to hong kong not china okay that's not a bad spot yeah out of those 57 that you've traveled to if i was like listen i'm going to take my wife on a trip and we want to get the bug to travel the world what would be the location that you would tell us you got to go here not only there you have to do this Mm. i want both okay um Surfing in Brazil. Okay. So I know you guys are active. Specifically, there's this little beach town in, I think, the state of Bahia uh, called Itacare. And mm-hmm. it's just like barefoot beaches, surfing. I mean, it's, it's the great. whole vibe. It's, the whole yeah. vibe. Yeah, it's hey. all there. Um, and the people of Brazil are just inspiring because they're so yeah. happy. Like, they're euphonic breaks. Um, like we'll say, um, or so, or, you know, and then, and theirs are like, great, marvelous, bang, maravillos. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yes. um, it's just like the positivity is ingrained into the language and you know, language That's is a cool. reflection of culture. So yeah, if you wanted to go somewhere to catch the bug, also Brazilians want to communicate. Like, I think everybody kind of has a Paris story up their sleeve of like, oh yeah, I went there and somebody was rude. And it's like, well, the Parisian culture is just not warm and fuzzy like our sweet Iowans are. But Brazilians as a generalization just seek to find that understanding. So even if you're struggling with the language, you don't speak the language, like they're just, they're fired up. That's good. I think that's a really good recommendation for those reasons, for at least for me. Because if I go someplace and people are rude, it's like, what's happening let's get out of here yeah so when's yeah. your next major anniversary with aaron that's uh the 15th it's in january 26th that's our 15th anniversary right. which is in uh six days going surfing bro we got uh, <laughs> i wish Thanks i had that. the i wish i had the means to be like babe we're going <laughs> and i wish i had a wife that loved flying because right now she is not there but yeah it's a different story let's talk about people and relationships yeah. all over the country all over the world have different kind of like you kind of alluded to it but what do you think that is culturally? Like, how is that? Why are we so different? And then also there's a universal language, which is magic. Everyone loves magic. I'm totally kidding. Card tricks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why David Blaine is that come out of nowhere. Um, so, okay. Answer the question. Where did they come from? How is this? Like, it has to be fascinating just to observe this traveling the world. I'm going to start with a really nerdy answer. And there is a thing called Hofstede's Dimensions of Culture. It's fascinating. And I don't have them memorized. I did at one point. I gave a speech on it during my Toastmasters certification. <laughs> but um, Huff Studies Dimensions of Culture. He was a German social scientist. And he was able to take something that we cannot quantify, which is culture, 
and break it down into six different areas that each have a polar end. So one is masculinity, femininity. Uh, one is individualization. On the other side is collectivism. Go look it up. It's fantastic. And what you can do, what you, there's a website where you can compare countries. So say you were thinking about going to the Philippines versus the US and you want to know what to expect. It kind of breaks it down in a way where you can see the comparisons sure. and see which right. countries are most similar. Like, hmm. especially being from Iowa, right? Like predominantly the people there are white. We have like certain areas of culture and people came to Iowa from very specific places with similar climates, which is largely Central Europe. So it's not hmm. surprising that our culture is very similar to Central European countries. But then, you know, you'll hear people go to Asia and be like, oh my gosh, people are on top of each other and they have no space. sense of personal right. space. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, <laughs> you're in their country. So yeah. maybe you have a really strong sense of personal space. Right. Right. Um, so it's fascinating to look at that and be able to kind of quanti quantify um, what your culture is. And like who has the balance of power and what that looks like. So that's my super nerdy answer of like, where does this come from? Yeah, but, no, I think that's wise. Um, I mean, collectivism is one that I'm really, really interested in right now because in the US we value our yards and we don't like to hear our neighbors. And if there's that guy down the street with the loud car and every person usually has a room to themselves, including the children versus in other cultures, there's multi-generational households. There's not really a such thing as property ownership because it just belongs to the family. The idea of community, you know, we call our neighborhoods communities, but they're not because nothing's communal. You might share the central park of your area, but no one's sharing lawnmowers. Mm -hmm. You're, we're getting further and further away from um, going and asking your neighbor for a cup of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's really, really fascinating. So I think that a lot of the like really warm cultures are coming from this idea of collectivism because, and also when there's a really strong division between the people and the government, because people are then looking out for each other a whole lot more mm. in my, in my youth when I was in college and one a little bit riskier, but also didn't have the monetary means to like, I don't know, be as safe as I wanted while still doing all the things I wanted to do, I hitchhiked a lot. And my wow. most successful and safest hitches were in the Middle East. And when I was in Central Europe or even South America, I would get picked up by Middle Easterners. And I really, really think that it has a lot to do with like the, the collectivism of their culture, their home culture of like, yeah. I want to take care of you, not only just like dropping me off somewhere safely or like getting me that much closer to my destination, but like, I still keep in touch with people who picked me up and like took me home and their sister made dinner and we did not speak a, speak a lick of the same language. Wow. Fascinating. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just like the culture of sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you, I would love to dive even deeper into that because I was very curious of your experience traveling all over the world. Of course, you're most likely not going to speak all the languages. So mm -hmm. even just like a car ride like that, where you're hitchhiking, like what does it look like for you to forge relationships with people? It's like, are you just a super charismatic person who can talk to anyone or, you know, how do you connect with people that you can't? <laughs> Samantha would be with? the first person at amazing race that would just blow everybody out of the, out of the water. <laughs> like I'm just going to win now. So. Yeah. So like I said, I learned French in high school and I'm, 
like a three-year-old and I would be on the same level. Like we're, I'm not great at it, but it provided the foundation to get by with Spanish and Italian. I just spent a month in Italy back in September and like, it just came to me. I was, I could at least understand what people were trying to say. Mm. Um, also now versus when I studied abroad, um, there weren't like, you couldn't take the SIM card out of your phone or whatever. I think I had like the iPhone two when I studied abroad. So and I certainly wasn't paying for international data, but now you can get an eSIM for like 20 bucks a month and have 10 gigs of data and pull up Google Translate. But one of the best things about being from Iowa is we just smile at everybody. Yes, we do. And <laughs> if you want like the universal, like not just the tight lipped, like tiny smile, but like we will just beam at a stranger and, and look them in the eyes, of, which is totally yeah. weird. Right. Yeah. And some cultures are really averse to it, mm-hmm. but it's kind of shown as this like sign of innocence in the cultures that are averse to it. So, I mean, I've had people like, be like, you like, they'll get on their Google translate and be like, you seem really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I am or not, but the universal language, like I said, I can get myself in and out of trouble in a few Latin-based languages, and then usually before I go somewhere that either has a high Muslim population or speaks Arabic is study up on Arabic again. Just those few sentences to like show that you're trying go a long way. And then there's always the key phrases. You know, everybody jokes about like, where's the bathroom? But also like, leave me alone is a key phrase that I keep in my back pocket. (laughs) Like I used to have it in- 19 languages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just something because I mean, the first time I realized I needed it was when I was 19 and in France and I was in a train station and somebody, it was like that clipboard scam where they're like, you write down your address and then they try to, I don't even know, or your email address. I don't know what the scam is, but there was a guy sitting next to me who, and I was like, no, no, it's fine. Like, ah, I was tired. I think I'd taken a night train. And, uh, the guy next to me was said, leave her alone. And I realized that I knew the words in French and I was like, Oh, I need to know that. Like (laughs) not even for malicious people, just like, you know, the street people are like, you know, they're like some guy in a bar or whatever. It's like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be polite if I need, if I'm alone and need to Uh be left alone. Yeah, right. Your safety. Right. I would love to. Can you think of a story where you had an amazing interaction with someone where you literally did not exchange any words? Like, did you guys just listen to some music or did you look at pictures? Like, that's where my mind goes. Ooh, I'm sure I have a million, but it's kind of like when you're like, name your favorite movie, and all of a sudden you can't remember a single movie you've ever watched. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I think I shared with you guys before but there was a lady I was on a plane I think it was when I was going from Copenhagen to Beirut oh actually no this is a different one but on that plane from Copenhagen to Beirut I um was sitting between two older men and there's I think a rule in certain sects of Islam that you don't touch a woman's skin Mm. or something like there's something there somebody told me this one time um because they were like doing business in Dubai and they would like kind of politely not shake your hand. It was kind of like right. a touch wrists kind of thing. So anyway, I'm between these two guys and the plane is like hot. Like they were just pumping hot air into the jet. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like sweating, but I don't want to go down to a tank top because I had a tank top and a cardigan on. Well, I go to like reach for my water bottle and open my water bottle, but it had pressurized. 
So the water just like sprays all over me. And I'm like looking around. Like, <laughs> That's when you said, leave I, me alone. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of people in Lebanon do speak French because of colonization and whatever. But I'm just like between these two Lebanese dudes and I see this guy and his wife across the aisle and they're just looking at me like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, you That's poor thing. Um, and it's just like embarrassment's kind of a great equalizer. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> there was that story. Yeah. But there's been many times where I'm on a plane next to someone and they'll like, show me a picture of their kids or their grandkids. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, thank you. And we can get there without speaking any of the same language of like mm-hmm. my baby or you know, my baby's baby, um, right. That's like good. stick figures and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh, ask you about this. Cause like you went to a Christian college, right? So tell mm-hmm. me how your faith has been shaped after traveling the world. The conversation around travel goes to safety so fast, mm. so fast, especially mm. when people find out that I travel solo most of the time. And for me, it's that faith in people and that people really are intrinsically good. You know, I'm not off getting hammered in a dodgy neighborhood, not knowing my way home. I'm the first person to have several drinks, like, you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm not innocent, but um, for me, it's that faith in humanity and the faith in like, regardless of which deity or any deity that people choose to like follow people are just really, really great. And if you can use your judgment and find people that you think you can trust, Mm. then it's great. I mean, one of the rules that I remember learning when I was in like pre-K is if you're ever lost in a grocery store, find a woman with a child. Yes. Yes. And it's like, that'll be be your safe space. Um, Mm. And it's the same thing. You know, when I'm out traveling, I'll find other women traveling or other young people traveling or whatever. But if I'm, you know, just out in the world alone and you know, for the record, most of my hitchhiking was with a friend. <laughs> I wasn't just like out jumping in strangers' cars with no data. But that's that's really the core of it is it's just like when you get to get out there and realize that people want to connect and people want to love on you and people want to share their culture, like that's God in action. And mm. one of the quotes that I lived by in high school was you might be the only Bible that someone else has, as in you might be the only reflection that someone else has. It's kind of the equivalent of um, being Christ-like, basically. Sure, right. And that's it, is like, regardless of what they're wearing or what their religion is or whatever, like, if people can show you their goodness, sometimes all you have to do is let them. Right, yeah, right. And give them an opportunity to do that. And sometimes that opportunity is just by a huge smile, you know, Mm in innocence, right? But that's- It's a good quote. Yeah, by you extending that goodness first, being willing to step out in faith and do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. And like I said, like so often the conversation goes to personal safety. But like mm-hmm. if you're taking care of your safety, then the people around you probably will too. Yeah. Leave me alone. Okay. Uh so <laughs> let's talk about work. So yeah, you're a nomad. And so you've built a company, which kudos mm-hmm. to you. I love this that you can keep doing what you're passionate about, which is traveling the world, but also 
keep engaged. And obviously we all need money. So you, you've done a really good job and balance that so well. So can you speak to that kind of balance and building something that not only you can control, but it doesn't control you that you've built a prison. I think of the E-Myth book, you know, like she, mm-hmm. she has a good company, but it's, she's in prison because she can only have a good company. If she's working in the bakery, you'd have to yeah. read the book if you know, you know, yeah. but all right, speak to it. Let's go. How did you do it? Yeah. So right out of the gate, I formed my LLC in the US, like all of that. So I, I covered mm-hmm. my bases legally. And then I started freelance writing. Mm-hmm. And with that, everyone knew that I was on the road um, because I was reaching out to mentors and friends and basically saying like, hi, I'm a free agent, just quit my job. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it I kind of learned through that experience what I did and didn't like. And then when it came time to actually name my business or my doing business as, I named it Nomad Copy Agency. <laughs> like There is no question, like, am I in Bolivia or am I in Boston? Am I mm-hmm. in Detroit or am I in Djibouti? Like, it's not your business. I'm going to do well at what I do. That said, I've kind of restricted my travels to places that I know have really great Wi-Fi. Yeah. The last like no computer vacation that I took was to um, I was living in South Africa at the beginning of 2022 and took a long weekend to Victoria Falls, which is on the border of Zambia, Zimbabwe and Botswana Mm -hmm. and traveled through there. So that's the last like no tech vacation that I took was almost nine months ago. So um, but I usually take Fridays off. I. I mean, last week I went to Breckenridge for a long weekend and just like took Thursday afternoon off, worked a little bit Friday morning, skied Friday afternoon, had the weekend, did some quick work Monday, skied all day, did some quick work in the evening. Um, If that doesn't make you want to listen to this podcast, I don't know what would. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. But it's just like, I had the choice to build my business around my lifestyle and that's Mm -hmm. what I did. Right. And, and you, you know, never mom, compromised. That's what something I would say is like, you haven't yeah. compromised to get a dollar. No, you stayed true to your core values mm-hmm. and what you were passionate about. And you'd never compromise. And I think there's a lot of people that start this vocation thing and try to pursue their passion where they're like, Hey, I just need to make ends meet. So I'm mm-hmm. going to compromise on what's the most important to me. Well, you do that once or twice. And now you have a business that's kind of running you. So yeah. kudos to you for, yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. And like, my mom and aunt were taking care of my grandma last year. Um, she had some health issues and they were exhausted. So I was like, that's fine. I can go live at grandma's house for a month and get her to her appointments and make mm-hmm. us food and mm-hmm. hang out with my gram. Like it was awesome. Mm-hmm. We had a great month together. And that's so much of what's important is like, I, I've always been very values oriented. I write them down at the beginning of my journal every year. And so they're there and I see them every time I open my journal. But when I quit my job, I did that. And it was like, what's important to me? Like, what do I actually want to travel for? And it was to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent that month at home. My mom and I went to DC for a week earlier this year. My dad and I have been able to do a few road trips together in the last few years. And it's like, I was living all around the country and all around the world before I quit my job. And it was like, couple weeks a year is all I had. And it was the choice of, do I spend it with my family or do I continue on my goal of traveling around the world? And like, sometimes one, one, sometimes the other one did, or they would come visit me. 
but it's been nice to be able to live a lot closer to my values in the last few years. Good for you. Good for you. Mm. Yeah. I would love for you to even go deeper with that. Like share what are some of your core values? I know you mentioned you do kind of like an exercise maybe at the beginning of each year. Um, so Mm -hmm. even just, even just kind of talking through like, what are your values? Do they evolve over time? Do they stay pretty consistent? And then how do those really influence the goals that you set? Yeah. Um, so some of my core goals are freedom, adventure, Mm -hmm. and joy. And that's, I mean, like when my partner and I make decisions together, it's like, all I want is a life, a long life full of adventure and joy. And like, that's, you know, is the adventure putting that backyard shed together? That was an adventure. Like it wasn't a great one. Putting the Ikea furniture that maybe not a lot of joy there, but yeah, the Ikea furniture together. That was not very joyful, but we sure made some memories. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we're lucky to come from like healthy families that live a long time typically. So it's like, what do we learn from them? Like a long life full of adventure Mm. and joy. So like our Mm. adventures are so often active and on the daily, like, what are we, what are we living our values as, as far as like, what are we eating? How are we behaving? What are we consuming? I mean, joy is so often thwarted by what we tell our algorithms to show us. So like redirecting our algorithms or following or unfollowing certain accounts. And yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. I mean, on the daily and in the, in the grand scheme of things, but really the first activity I ever did probably six or seven years ago. And somebody basically just gave me a sheet full of values and they were like, go through and just circle the ones that resonate with you like more than the others. Yeah. And then we went through and we wrote down the top 10 and then the top five. And I mean, there's probably a zillion printables online if somebody wanted to do that exercise, but it was like, then you have those five and you start to realize like, okay, freedom and adventure, does one kind of umbrella the other? So we don't need to define it. And then I just define them and what it means to me. And I try really hard not to look at last year's when I do it so that I can watch that evolution. Mm-hmm. But you guys are on video. So you can see behind me, I have a notebook for every Mm -hmm. one of the last eight years and every single one starts the same way. Um, Goals for the year, values, and a list of books that I've read and a list of countries that I'll visit. So my book for this year, because it just started two weeks ago, there's like three books filled in, but I have two pages open and there's eight country spots open, but they're all empty because I haven't visited anywhere new to me yet this year. So yeah, that's, 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 kind of, that's what works for me. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's funny because every day is super helpful. You've got to be intentional about doing that. And it's not something naturally that you're like, Hey, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to reflect on what my life is. And so, man, I'm really encouraged to hear that you're doing that. And it seems like your life is more joyful because of it. Mm-hmm. So that's really really neat. And I think a lot of people, that's what Ryan is really good at is, is challenging people like, well, what's your core values? Like, I don't know if I can even speak into helping you make a decision if I don't know your core values. Mm-hmm. And I was going back to like, what's important to you? I can't tell you what's important to me because it might not be important to you. So if I understand what's important to you, I can give you better advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We, we talk about, and I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits, the James Clear yeah. book. Yeah. It's one that a lot of people have read great philosophy around just goal setting, but something that's been top of mind for me is just that we talk about in the in common a lot is how to set identity based goals. Cause then there's purpose behind it. It's not so much 
just an arbitrary thing you're trying to achieve, but it's who are you wanting to become? You yeah. Know, then you can avoid, you know, training months to run a marathon and then you run the marathon and you're like, okay, what's next? And kind of that feeling of letdown. So is that like an aspect of goal setting for you? Cause I, I was even thinking of your goal of, of visiting all nine, 195 countries by the age 96, of 96, 96. Yeah. Debatable. <laughs> and, and have list. you given much thought even to just like w- what you might feel like uh, if, and when, you know, you achieve that goal and how is it like shaping the person that you are becoming? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And the goal used to feel a lot more real than it does now. And I think part of that comes with age and part of that is like me being kind of mad at myself. Like I feel like I'm settling that I'm not being as aspirational as I once was, but something happened when I was 19. So when I was, when I was like 16, 17, 18, I had traveled abroad like once, first of all, the audacity that I was 19 had visited three countries and was like, I'm going to visit all of them. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. We all have grace. We all have grace. But I was like, go little Sam. Like she, she had goals. She was, she was a dreamer. And I'll still find letters that I wrote to myself of like, you better still be traveling. Um, (laughs) Don't let a man hold you down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But during that time I had, stated a goal for myself that I wanted to be paid to live and work in another country. And then I was 19 and I had been paid to live and work in France. And I had accomplished that goal. And I was like, I'm 19 and I have achieved my life goal. Yeah. So I think there's so much like so many issues with goal setting sometimes because mm-hmm. what, what happens when you accomplish them? Yes. You know, and there's, you know, say like a weight loss journey. When I lose five pounds, I'll treat myself to a massage. When I lose my next five pounds, I'll get a new pair of running shoes. Right. So there's, there's like goals and rewards and there's so much to it. But part of me thinks that I never will visit every country, but there's still so much to go do and see. And I'm not going to slow down just because that end goal might change. I mean, I guess like <laughs> the simplest way to say it is it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. So I've thought about it and it does make me feel like I'd be like letting myself down if I stopped stating that as my goal. Cause I don't know what else there would be other than mm-hmm. just living a long life full of adventure and joy. Enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Love that tagline. Love that tagline. What's the next thing for you, Samantha? And how do our listeners hear more about you? Obviously you're just contagious. You always have a smile on your face. If you've seen this YouTube, you, you know it. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who are like, you know, it's just, you are just kind of like a magnet. So how do our listeners hear more about you or reach out and just encourage you and just see where you're at? Tell us. Yeah. I love encouragement. So yes, please do. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Samantha Burmeister. I'm on Instagram at nomad.coffee. And then my website is nomadcopyagency.com. I share a lot in my Instagram stories. That's probably my most active platform. And if people want to work together, you can do that via my website or my Instagram bio and all that jazz. Um, I'm super stoked right now. I am uh, in the beta launch of a membership where people can have like my eyes on their copy without having to shell out for my full um, right. like, done for done for you copy experience. Right. So um, it's making Good. it a lot more approachable to a lot more people and people are eating it up. So that's what's super exciting awesome. for me right now in my in my business. Um, Good for you. And then if you want to find me literally, 
I'm headed to South America for the spring in a couple of months. So I'm stoked for that. I'll be down That's south cool. for a few so months. When you go to Brazil for your anniversary, we'll be surfing. We'll see you there. Yep. That's right. <laughs> I have one more question if we have time. We do. Sweet. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of people listening to this. Hopefully, a lot of people are listening to this. But uh, you know, what piece of advice would you give to someone, Sam, who maybe feels like they have an uncommon call, which we all do, but maybe they feel stuck in their job or just their current situation in life? They don't know how to take that first step on their entrepreneur journey. Did I just <laughs> slow, that? slow mad. There yeah, you go. What, what would you tell them? I would tell them what I think is probably a famous quote, but I heard it from a mentor and friend of mine, Adam Carroll. If you live for three years like no one else will, you can live for the rest of your life like no one else can. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can also, if you follow like, um, what is it? The happy pocket full of money idea yeah. is that time is irrelevant. So make that three years into whatever you want it to be. Like live for a while like no one else can. You'll live the rest of your life like no one else like no one else will, you'll live the rest of your life like no one else can. I did weird stuff. Like I lived on a farm in Rhode Island so that I could pay minimal rent so I could pay maximum on my student loans to be able to get to a place of financial freedom to accomplish those goals. And I paid off $60,000 worth of debt on a $36,000 salary in three and a half years. So like, wow. I did it, right? Like, That's I, I hunkered right down. I hunkered down and I did it, but I did it because I planned for it. And I guess that's mm. what it comes down to is like, if you feel stuck, then you need a plan. Make a plan. Right. Yeah. Make a plan and also like understand your core values, right? Like make a plan mm-hmm. that handles and encompasses like the joy and adventure yeah, <laughs> and freedom. So I think that's good. Uh, wow. Samantha, you are just a walking wise owl. You are. Uh, <laughs> thank you for doing the deal. Thank you for just imparting some of your wisdom to our listeners and us, your inspiration, not only to me, but I think a lot of people. And so I'll encourage you by saying that I think there's a lot of people that look up to you and what you're doing. And what I want to encourage our listeners is like, you also can do this too. Like Samantha, you are one in a million, but I know that other people can also do this as well. So Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for imparting all your wisdom on us and our listeners. If you want to know more about Samantha, please reach out to her. She is, she would love to hear from you. Would love to get encouragement from you and help you down your own uncommon path because we all have something to seek after. We all have passion. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. And gosh, it sounds like another podcast that we need to figure out. How did you pay off $60,000 in the 36 in three years? That's pretty sweet. Uh, again, thank you so much. Um, what last last thought for Ryan? Yeah, I think just from hearing your story, just the idea of travel specifically, being able to expand like your vision of what's possible in your life is super cool. Uh, when mm-hmm. you when you rub elbows with people of of different cultures, different backgrounds, you see that there's there's similarities that you know, draw us together, but also like celebrating each other's differences, I think Mm -hmm. is a really beautiful thing as well. So yeah. Thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. This was great. Yeah. You've been listening to the Uncommon Podcast. I've been your host, Philip. I'm Ryan. Till next time, go live a life that you feel excited about. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com where you can learn more about our mission 
sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.